I always loved hearing from local bands at WXAV, one of which was Fort Francis, who sent along three songs, which were Falling Down, Ghosts of California, and Cities and Dust. All the songs were fantastic. All three songs from their debut album, The Atlas. In 2016, Fort Francis released Hello, which was one of my favorite albums of 2016. And then again in 2019, they released The Front Page of the Modern Age, their best work yet. And already by this time, Fort Francis were one of my favorite bands. Welcome to all your favorite bands. I'm your host, Jeff Lamort. On this edition, I talked to David McMillan of Fort Francis and Grand Am. We discussed some of his favorite bands, how meticulous of a writer Warren Zevon was, and that maybe your next favorite band has yet to be discovered. But first, we talk about David's first musical milestone. Bob Dylan was the first show that I ever saw, like the first real, real rock show. And I was in seventh grade and I made my, I think my birthday was the next week. Anyway, I made, I like, I was like, I got to get a guitar. Like I got to get a guitar. The album that like got me into him was not like a, it wasn't a studio album. It was the unplugged, like the Bob Dylan unplugged album. Um, which kind of covers everything from like, like dignities on it. Um, great song. Such a great song. And the unplugged version is just, it's unreal. And, uh, what are some of the others? A Desolation Row, which I think is one of the best, like nine minute songs ever written. That's on it. Um, and I, and I never, I didn't know. I mean, I was in like seventh grade. I didn't know any of this stuff. And so that was my like entry point to Bob Dylan. It took me a really long time to get into Dylan. I think I just, yeah. You know, I, the hardest part is probably the voice for most people. <laughs> yeah. Because especially yeah. when I was younger, I was like, oh, man, what a weird voice. And I think the first time I was exposed to him was I was at a, a Black Rebel Motorcycle Club show and they covered Bob Dylan acoustically in the break. And I just thought it was Lonesome Death of Haiti Carroll. Oh, nice. I was just like, wow, that is a phenomenal song. He didn't, they didn't say like, oh, this is a Bob Dylan cover or anything. And I was just like, I need to find out what that song was. I was blown away. It's funny what you what you just said is totally true. Like for, for a lot of people, it makes it's hard. Like the voice is what makes it hard to get into Dylan as a listener. The fact that Bob Dylan's voice is so weird and out there is what also gives people like me the kind of like confidence to be like, well, if he can do it, I mean, I'm sure I could figure out how to sing something, you know, like there's kind of that, like, ah, well, I mean, that guy did it. I mean, and it's not, it's not anything <laughs> that's not like going to make the opera singers uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, pleased here. So it's kind of like breaks down a barrier, I think, for a lot of uh, songwriters who write songs, but are afraid to perform in front of people. Yeah. I mean, I think you're a good singer. Oh, well, thanks, man. Yeah, but, um, I was not when I first started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got the guitar for your birthday after the Dylan concert. Right before that, though, you were in a big Michael Jackson phase. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So like. is, as far as songwriting, how do you feel like the, the mending of Michael Jackson and Bob Dylan kind of blend together? That's a fantastic question. And yeah, I I was super into Michael Jackson, kind of a, I guess, like, I think the record was Off the Wall, which was like his first solo album. And there was, and obviously Thriller and, and I think and Dangerous would have been the album that like I was really into. 
because I was in like the talent show, <laughs> like performing to Michael Jackson. Like uh, that was the only time in my life I've ever danced, you know? Um, I mean, I think in terms of melding the two together, so yeah, like kind of like bringing those, bridging the gap of like Michael Jackson and, and Bob Dylan. I mean, I think, I think that the common thread there, because they're totally two different, like they're different, you, different continents, you know, when you think of it in terms of the production. But if you take away everything from a Michael Jackson, highly produced song, trying to think of one um, that leaps out, like if you played an un, like a unplugged, I'm going to play it on piano version of uh, She's Out of My Life is a great example. You take everything away from that song. And it's just an instrument and the lyrics. The song stands on its own. And obviously, you know, most of the Michael Jackson stuff and most of pop, most of uh, what you would fall into as pop songwriting, you know, the the flourishes are what people think about. Like, oh, you know, the the, the drums are amazing and they have, you know, 10, 10 backup singers or whatever. But if you boil everything away, same way that so much of Dylan's stuff is, the song stands on its own. You know, the song is accessible and makes you want to sing along to it. That's it's really always the true test. Like I, I've heard um, Chris Cornell's cover of, of Billie Jean before acoustic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just just phenomenal. Yeah. I was just uh, I think it was the Chris Cornell cover of Nothing Compares to You. Yeah, he, he covered that. He did that, too. <sighs> That's stunning. Yeah, that song, that song also already stands alone. You know, as a, but but his his version of it too really really like kind of hits you right in the heart. I know, and the, his estate just released like a whole covers album of like all these oh, cool. great songs that he covered. What else is on it? Oh man, he's got um, watching the wheels is on there. Mm. Never never knew he covered this at some point. I think that That's was all like song. unreleased stuff. It was pretty sweet though. Yeah. I love that song. I'll check it out. So you worked with Sam Kassir, who's worked with Josh Ritter, uh, Lake Street Dive. Yeah, we worked with Sam uh, both for the Atlas, and then we also did Alo. The I think that came out in 2016 with him. Wow! Um, Can't believe it's. Um, yeah, yeah, me either. <laughs> um, yeah, I met Sam through Josh because I before Fort Francis, I played, I I did a solo, like mm -hmm. just a singer songwriter solo thing, and I opened for Josh uh, in a few different places. Um, and I met Sam, you know, he Josh was touring with this whole band. Sam and I became friends, and then um, yeah, he kind of helped usher along me thinking from being a singer songwriter into. Uh, thinking in, a, I guess I would say, in a more colorful portrait, like a bigger picture production, and also aesthetically as a band, like taking me from thinking like these are these are my songs, and I'm going to record them, you know, mainly around the maybe around the voice and the, and the guitar, and taught me so much about you know just the nuances of 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 making something a more uh just a richer kind of like listening experience he's great yeah. his place is awesome too he lives or his, well, he lives in boston but his um both of those albums are recorded at his farmhouse in maine kind of in the middle of nowhere it's a really really cool spot that's really cool 
What, what was it like crafting those songs with him? It's super fun. Like, I, I mean, the I, it's kind of crazy to think uh, that's a long time in terms of the difference between, because there was a lot changed between the Atlas to a low. Um, and so I think, I think a low might be more representative of his kind of overarching effect on me as a musician, because with the Atlas, I was, I mean, I love, I love that album, but that was still, I was like, I hadn't quite made the, the leap in my brain thinking of like, this is a, a band. Mm-hmm. And um, and by the time Olo was like, I was thinking along the lines that, that Sam had sort of helped me embrace. I'd say, well, I mean, one of the one of the, the best things about working with him is that for songwriters, because he where he plays with Josh, and so he knows how solo songwriters think. And a lot of us have a tendency to try to fill every try to fill as much with our words, you know. Mm-hmm. And that going back to what we're talking about with Bob Dylan that's um that can that serves a purpose but like his is more like you know every instrument can tell as rich of a story if you give it the space and so i think the probably the most valuable lesson i learned with him was space you know like making space and and that kind of that that lesson also carries with it because i think it makes you work to make every lyric work harder you know mm-hmm. if you're if you kind of less is more if you if you're writing fewer words they each have to mean they each have to carry a lot more weight so there's a great warren zevon quote and i'm gonna butcher it but like he's also one of my favorite songwriters um and he essentially says what you should do when you write when you write songs i'll find this when you just write songs mm-hmm. you you should write a write a whole song find the best line and throw all the other lines away <laughs> Because you probably only wrote one really good one. And and so like he he that's how he would write songs. He would like like he would just like pick one song one line and then he'd pick another line. Like that, like that's how meticulous a lot of his writing was. Um and I think that means you know, that carry like I think if you do that, if you have the discipline to do that, which I, I don't all the time, nobody nobody's doing it. But if you when you do that, like the songs really they they carry a lot more weight. I completely agree with you. I'm a, I'm a big Zevon fan. Yeah. And him and Dylan are really like the two masters, I feel like, mm-hmm. songwriting. Because bo- both Zivon's- of them have stuff that I feel like nobody else could ever come up with. Just lines that I've, you can just read it and be like, who, who would think of something like that? Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, I mean, both of them are obviously geniuses. The Zevon stuff, and actually, I mean, Dylan obviously does this too. I think they are so great at it, at, at it because they are always willing to be someone not themselves. You know, like I mean, you think about some of the great, some of the great like Warren Zevon things. I mean, I I don't think that guy was out like carrying guns and what you know. Like I mean, if you look at some of the some of the lyrics, like you know, now he was you know he was crazy, but like not not on that <laughs> level. So. So like, I think, I think that those songs are so good because they are willing to step out of their own skin and write from somebody else's perspective. You know, obviously songwriting is fantastic when it's super personal and, you know, but like, um, there's something freeing about being able to write without thinking from, you know, about me or Mm -hmm. you, you know, like, it's um, it's very true. 
Yeah. There's a line that you have that I think about almost on a daily basis is uh, I spent my whole life staring at a screen, which is in two of your songs. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's funny. I use those lines. I, I do that a number of times using the lot, same line in, in yeah. multiple songs. I think I do it when I'm like, that's, that's a good one. And that means something. <laughs> Yeah. But it, it really resonates though, because like, I'll just be there, like I'll pull out my phone at some point and I'm just like endlessly scrolling. I'm sure like people can relate to that. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? This is such a, a time waster. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that that line resonated with you. And yeah, I, uh, I used to keep that line on a post-it note above my piano because, cause like, even when I write, I'm con- I'm guilty of like, having my phone or a lot of times too, I demo things on my laptop, mm-hmm. which isn't a healthy way for creativity because it connects to the outside world. And so, you know, you're just, uh, you're just one Wi-Fi connection away from wait from not get finishing a song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we do, we all spent like, and, and really over the last year, like this, you know, the screen time notification on an iPhone, like, like, I mean, that, like, that was an, un- like, that was just sad. You know, I, I would imagine like, you know, mid March of 2020, we all started getting those and feeling really, really bad about ourselves, just doom scrolling. And, yeah. you know, like we all do. I mean, and, and it's like, think about the number of screens we you're, you know, I are on a zoom, you know, we have our phones, you might have an iPad, you might you have a TV, like everywhere you turn, there's a reason. And the other thing that I think is funny and alarming about the fact that we all do look at screens a lot is in addition to looking, you know, whether you're checking your email or reading the news or whatever, mm-hmm. there's also, you know, the ability to constantly look at yourself and you're looking at, you know, you can flip the camera around, people take your picture. And it's not a healthy thing to also look at yourself too much. You know, like it's not it's basically if you spend a lot of time looking in the mirror, like, you know, you should be looking at other people in the eye. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that at least when I think about that line, because I'll do it and then that line will pop in my head and I'll be like, I got to put this down. So it, it's definitely helped me. Oh, nice. I, I, I did something. Well, I'll take that as a, I'll, I'll take that as something good that I accomplished. But, but overall, both songs are fantastic as well. So, which, that, so that that, be, I know that's in, I know that's in how to turn back again. And which and, is the other one? And habit. Habit. Yeah. It's a habit. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> Glad the line sticks out to you. And then you throw your phone away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also, you used to do like a cover series. Oh yeah. Like send out a cover every yeah. so often. And you did some just awesome cover versions. So I, I had like, I know you did Elliot Smith. I think it was yeah. Say Yes. Yeah. Grateful Dead, Ripple, Beck, Guess I'm Doing Fine. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel, Only Living Boy in New York. And of course, oh, yeah, I loved him. Summertime was a big one for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun, we, we should do that again. Um, yeah, we we did a Daniel Johnston one too, yeah, I think. Uh, Mind, Mind Movie. Movie. Yeah, that... Um, that series was super fun. I honestly, I could do that. Like I would be happy to record someone else's song every week <laughs> this year. Like there's, they kind of scratched the surface there. What did we do? We did say yes. I Elliot, think so. The Elliot I'm, stuff. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. Right now. I love that. I think it's, is it Waltz number two? That kind of the name of that, that song is so, is so fantastic. I also really, the Elliot Smith stuff, um, you know the song Miss Misery? Yep. Isn't it in the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack? Mm-hmm. That song, that was actually, I think, my entry point to Elliot Smith. Maybe the Goodwill, yeah, maybe that movie. That song is so good. It like is so it, good. Um, yeah. It's oh, cool, it, too. To, it, it's um, hard. Yeah, it does. If you dig back through, I, I um, in addition to Elliot being like just an, such an amazing songwriter, like if you read some of the way that he recorded those, like his early stuff that we all love, you know, it was with like two microphones that each cost like a hundred dollars. It, it's yeah. a really good reminder because I think now we can get really spoiled. I mean, I can have like, you know, the power in terms of software and such and like plugins of, of a great studio on my computer. But all you really need is an amazing song and amazing performance and like, you know, a few hundred bucks worth of gear um, <laughs> to make something really, to make it come to life. Yeah. It goes yeah. back to what you said at the beginning though, that you strip the song down to the bare bones, which is basically what the first few Elliott Smith records were. And yeah. those songs just stand on their own. They're, they're beautiful pieces of art. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, what a genius. Like yeah. between the bars is another Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like I love his catalog. He had a piece where he did an interview. I think where Ray Davies from the Kinks interviewed him and then he interviewed him like back and forth. I forgot what magazine it was in. I, I had a long time. I have to find that. And obviously Elliot was still alive at that time. But Ray yeah. Davies wanted to compliment him on his drumming. Cause he Elliot oh, really? said, would yeah. do all the drums i think it was either on promoting exo or figure eight yeah so, uh the kinks they wrote strangers right Strangers yep. on man that my uh my my wife introduced me to that song and we've sung that together many times she's got a great voice and uh but i i knew it because it, nora jones covered it okay. and i didn't know and then i and then i heard the kink that song i think it's Strangers. one of my favorite I, I, songs ever. Man, you, that's why you and I get on the same wavelength. It's <laughs> definitely in my top five songs ever. It, that song is so good. Oh, man, I love that song. Um, I think I have a cover we record. I, if I find out, I can figure out, send it to you. Yeah, oh, I love you that should. Uh, yeah. Lucius do an excellent cover of that, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I haven't heard that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that song is so good. And that was Dave Davies. And you think like, they have these two guys, obviously brothers, but that they're just cranking out tunes. Like Dave rarely brings a song, but he's like, Oh, I got this one. Oh, yeah. wow. That's one of the best songs ever. Nice job. Yeah. Like, it's so good. How does that what a, do you have any songs? And may, I mean, you obviously, you know, you love music, so you might have multiple, but are, are there any songs where you're like, yeah, that song totally makes me cry. Like as soon, like that is one of the, like, do you have any, cause I'll tell you mine, mine is without a doubt, bridge over troubled water. Like that, that Simon about like that, that song, I makes me weep like, a, and there, there are loads of others, but that one, no matter what context that, that like, that gets me. Do you have any? Yeah. Like Casimir Pulaski day has always gotten me. Yeah, from Sufjan Stevens. I think that's probably yeah. like the saddest song I've ever heard. Um, yeah. 
The Curse by Josh Ritter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wonderful song. And uh, probably the most recent would be uh, Brandy Carlisle, The Joke. Great song. Yeah, Brandy Carlisle is amazing. Her voice yeah. just, I watched her on a live stream for the John Prine tribute, and she did yeah. Hello in there, and I was like, oh, damn, that got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The what's the um what's the John Prine song that the like that came out? Um, uh, I remember everything. Yes. That's oh it. my Our, gosh, that song is wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. That's a an, another phenomenal songwriter. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you read like I I you know that that he like started in in like a you know the kind of the bar in Old Town like his whole yeah, story is just yeah absolutely crazy like he was working for the post office and he'd just write these songs on his route like are you serious yeah like 22 like, years old or something yeah he's amazing there's a cool uh I'll find this it was written it was released shortly after he he um he passed in the spring um it's all about how he did like just really wanted to play Paris he had played everywhere in the world and like just wasn't catching on in France, like, he, but, but one of <laughs> and he did this shortly before, like sometime, like in the last five years, he was like, oh my gosh. I want to play in Paris and I want to stay, like he wanted to stay at like, you know, I want to stay at the, I think it's like the George the fit, like a four season, the nicest hotel ever. He was like, that's what I want to do. I'm going to do this. And he did it. And he, and it was like, yeah, that was, that, that completed my, my, my world of touring. I, I pulled it off. Yeah. I'll yes. find it for you. It's a really touching story. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I also love like, you know, I, I can't, I don't know when John Prine was just like the year he was discovered, but when you think about it, if you think about it now, I mean, you know, then he was one of the most talented songwriters and he was delivering mail on a, on a post route, you know, things, you know, it happened to work out where he was, uh, what was it? Steve, was it Steve Goodman, the 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 guy I think he wrote like the Cubs yeah. song he knew yeah. him introduced him to Chris Christopherson you know like sort of like that <laughs> chain of events but without that like would we ever have heard John Prine or would he have you know would he have delivered mail and, and those songs would have been the worst secrets to be kept because they were so good and I you know think about it now there's probably a lot of there's probably a bunch of amazing songwriters that like they aren't you know, for whatever it might be, because there are so many songs released every week, maybe they're just sitting on this pile of incredibly, you know, moving songs and they aren't, you know, they aren't getting to cut through and we aren't hearing them. Like, I think about that all the time. Like, you know, while we're sitting here talking about all our favorite bands, I bet there, I bet there's like a whole cast of bands that would also be our favorites or songwriters would be our favorites, but we might never get to hear them. It's crazy to think of. That's so profound. I mean, it's definitely true, though. Yeah. Like, because there's, you know, it's just like, there's not, it's a noisy, back to, we're talking about screens, and it's a noisy world out there. And so we just, we don't see and hear some of the stuff that could be the most moving, most meaningful. You know, it's, it's just, it's hard to break through that kind of clutter. And some people don't even ever get to, uh, try to break through the clutter. You know, they're like, ah, I got my got my day job and I'm gonna deliver mail or whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever. I can't do. I, I'm not gonna not gonna play. Um, but yeah, think about it all the time. Well, kind of talking about this with your your own music because with 
um, the front page of the modern age opening track is the big one. Yeah. And to that point, I was like, oh my God, this has got to be like one of the best songs I've heard. Oh, thanks. I mean, it, I, I thought it was phenomenal. Then you released the big one 2020, which yeah. summarized everything that was going on last year. And I thought there was no way that you could follow up the original version and make it better, but it, you somehow did. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. I um, It wasn't just like, oh, you, you know, there was a lot of stuff to write about, to be inspired or to be charged up about. Like, um, it also, I think, not, I mean, I'm speaking for me, but I think a lot of songs, not even just songs, all of us in general, realize that even though our regular, you know, lives are looking at screens and doing a regular thing, that like we, that it's, we all like play a pretty integral role in like making sure the wheels don't fall off of the world, you know, like that, mm -hmm. that's a pretty, like, that's a crazy thing to recognize that like, while we all just feel like pawns in the scheme of things, looking at, you know, looking at our screens and, and going about our stuff, like, um, you know, had to get out and vote, had to get out and march in the streets, had to get out and tell people that like, that things need to change. And that's like, I mean, the terrible four years, uh, and there's still a lot to be done, but if people finish that with the reminder that like, you, you know, there's a lot that you, that matters on your individual shoulders, like, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe, maybe we all needed that lesson, you know, but I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really glad you like that song. Uh, that means a lot, but I'd say that's one of my, that's my proudest song. I'm, I think, yeah, right now, at least it's my proudest sort of songwriting accomplishment. Tell me about what you got going on. I know you, you said you were at the, the studio earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been recording um, again too. back to, you know, like it's been weird not playing shows um but the you know the good part of that is I've, I've written a lot and um and it's kind of funny i wrote a lot last year in 2020 and most of those were pretty they were not the most uplifting songs it was 2020 <laughs> and uh but over the last like five months i've been writing like what i think is are the most positive and and the most ambitious songs that that i've worked on and so yeah we've been going to shirk studios in chicago which is in like the ukrainian village um okay. it's like chicago and ash it's a really great spot we've been going there like four or five days a month um which is kind of nice because it like gives me time to just like focus on songs and then go so we we've recorded like 15 um songs uh I'll, they'll be whittled down like probably 10 for a proper for a vinyl but like yeah, like some of them are really, really uplifting. And overall, like, it's crazy, like, that we haven't played any of them live, um, you know, ever, like, yeah. because normally, in this stage, it would have been like, oh, we kind of like, tested two or three of them, it, the, they feel cool. These have just been, I've been building them basically in my apartment. And then, uh, and Aaron, you remember Aaron plays drums. Mm -hmm. um, he in the pandemic has been like playing drums on Twitch and he's been playing more drums than he ever has in his whole life. So he's just <laughs> like, he's playing on fire and it's just, it's been really fun. Like um, I'm really psyched about, about where everything's heading. I think it's really close to being done. Like I think 
I think, uh, um, I, yeah, we just recorded three days this week. We're mixing one tomorrow. I think we're probably like 85% done. We're, we're like pretty close. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to putting it out. I, I don't know. I think, I think we'll put out a song toward the end of the year. It's weird looking at how tours are shaping up, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody's going to be touring and putting out stuff at the end of the year, um, or in the fall. So I think the whole album will probably come out in this like early next year, just so like music comes out so fast now. There's so much music every Friday, every, you know, back to that sort of like being caught in the lots of noise. I you yeah. know, maybe we'll put it out a little bit later, you know, to kind of wait, but, um, but I'm really excited about it. You, you've sent me a lot of the new stuff that you've been working on. Fits and starts. Love yeah. that song. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I've been excited to hear that one. I think that, you know, you sent it over and you were like, this has a Springsteen vibe to it. Totally get that. Yeah. 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 Um, thank, um, um, yeah. I, I, I guess I cheated you by telling you what the vibe was. I should have just, <laughs> I, I'm bad at it. I should just give you the song and I tell you. What I do was. feel like you were completely accurate though. <laughs> um, do you ever, do you know the Springsteen song Devils and Dust? Yep. I loved that song. That was kind of where I was going for it. There's a lot of his later catalog that has been really good. And I just think that yeah. it's it's very underappreciated. Absolutely. I'm really into, um, do you remember that album he did that was like all sort of traditional folk song covered the Seeger sessions? Yeah. That one I thought was amazing too. Like just like a really, really like kind of like a reexamination of the American folk catalog i thought that that album was fantastic and i think that's a great chapter in his career devils and dust and then seeger sessions and before that was the rising which i also like i did too yeah i haven't really listened to the latest album um so i need to dig into the most recent album a lot more i could talk about this stuff all all day long yeah and that's why it's good you that's why it's good you have this podcast yeah, I could also listen. I could also listen to other people talk about it all day long too. Who are a few of like your favorite artists or or albums? Favorite, um, and yeah, it kind of moves in. It's a rotating thing, but I'll, I'll say that the ones that that stand sort of the test of time: John Lennon and the Beatles as a whole, but but definitely um, John Lennon overall, both his songwriting social consciousness i like i put him at the at the top i was so pleased that there was a new bright eyes album um i guess that would have been maybe seven months ago i really love connor Oberst. i love, oh, I love yeah. bright eyes but outside i also i'm i'm super into uh i'm really into hip-hop i wanted to bring um, that up because i you've been into hip-hop for a very long time yeah, yeah. i think that i think that um like I think the value, like I, you, you wouldn't hear it in a lot of our, in, well, you wouldn't hear it at all in most of the stuff we release. But I think that hip hop is such a force because if you think of some of the artists we've talked about, if you think of rhyme schemes, most of them are like one syllable rhymes, maybe two. And that's like amazing for a song. Like well-produced hip hop, rhymes three and four syllable words that you and four syllable phrases that aren't words that just and i am so i'm like in love with that 
as like, I mean, it's more just basically being an English nerd. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, uh, I listen, yeah, I listen to a lot of hip hop. I really like Mac Miller. I've been, I've been listening to the, I've been going back to that Kanye record, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, my, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that I think, you know, is one of the best albums ever released. And that guy's totally, you know, he, he's crazy. But like, if you can put out one, if you can put out that album, just that, like, that's a, that, that means that you, like, you let out your genius into the world. Oh it, man, he had like, so all the records leading up to that were pretty solid from him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I listened to Graduation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you, you obviously have another band as well, Grand Am. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I love that project. Yeah, and there, there's definitely more of, um, but in terms of like some of the beats and at least the rhythm, I think that yeah. that hip hop influence that shows a lot more in Grand Am. That's cool. Yeah, the, and I'll give like all the credit for the Grand Am beats uh, goes to James Panapento. He is uh, one of my closest friends, um, and yeah, that that project started because he worked with a company that helps like Fort the Fort Francis, like licensing stuff. And James uh, had all these instrumental songs that he had been sitting on back to what we were saying, like, Oh yeah. I wonder like, what's, you know, what are people working on that? Like no one's hearing. James had this library of incredible instrumental, like, I mean, so so cool so gripping and was like do you want to like take a listen and and i didn't know him. he's like basically do you want to take a listen to somebody's maybe write some words and he sent me one and he sent me two sent me ten, and they are so good and he con- he just regularly sends me like hey i worked on this yesterday and it's so it's this fantastic production fantastic energy um yeah i'm really we have we have Grand M has like basically an album done. We just don't like, like, cause we, that's the last, actually, that's the last show I played. We played the Fort Francis thing in last in 2019. Yeah. And then we, Grand M, we played a, a thing in Fresno, California in February of 2020. That's the last, last time I was on stage. Wow. We have all this stuff. And I just don't know what we're going to do with it yet. Yeah. But I am, I'm really looking forward to that. Cause I know that you guys have dropped a lot of singles. You've gotten some exposure in, in Shameless. Yeah. 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 That's been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm looking forward to hearing a a full album. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you some of those. Those, those are, I'm, yeah, I'll send you, I'll send you those, some of the Fort Francis stuff because I'm, I'm I'm excited about those. David, I appreciate you taking the time today. But I I could talk about this all day, man. And I appreciate it. I like, I, I really do. No, I appreciate your time. Take care, buddy. My special thanks to David McMillan for a great conversation. He's just a great human being. For everything Fort Francis, go to fortfrancismusic.com. Of course, you can check them out on social media and check out Grand Am on social media as well. For more editions of all your favorite bands, the podcasts, go to soundcloud.com slash AYFB podcasts, or you can go to Spotify or Apple podcasts and search AYFB podcasts. Until next time, I'm Jeff Lamort. Thanks so much for listening. Have you ever stopped to watch your memories Traveling at the speed of light Do you ever lose yourself Dreaming of another life Have you ever stopped to watch your memories Traveling at the speed of light Do you ever lose yourself Dreaming of another life